welcome to Crime Time with Maggie Sten. What you're going to be listening to is a series of episodes called The Times Aren't Changing, They Have Changed. With me is Rod Murray, who has a lot of questions. Well, today, Maggie, we're delving into the world of incarceration. Before we come to some of the issues around incarceration in the modern world, what do we know of the history of incarceration? Is it something that we as humans have always done to other people? No, it's not something that we've always done. There were different forms of punishment. There was corporal punishment, which was usually to cause the person pain. There was whipping. There was setting people on fire, (laughs) all those things. Yeah. London is known as the birthplace of modern imprisonment. So by the 19th century, which is 1800s, prisons were being built for the sole purpose of housing inmates. Right. So that was a real problem in the 1800s and that was the beginning of the Industrial Age. Things changed. People were no longer just working on farms. They moved to cities and they were leading lives in the cities with no money. Because don't forget that there's still no middle class. Prior to that, there was the feudal system, so there was the lord of the manor and there were the serfs, and everybody worked in agriculture on the land. Once industrialization happened, factories were built, and the whole structure of society changed. You had lots of people living on top of each other. You had a lot of poor people. In fact, that was the basis of Australia. It was set up as a penal colony because they didn't know what to do with all these prisoners, so they thought they'd send them away and Incarcerate them elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Get rid of them. Get rid of them. Let's not look at them. So prisons were being built and purely for housing people. But they were all government-run, and in Australia they were all government-run, and the idea was just, you know, lock these people up and punish them for their crimes. There must have been, Maggie, an impact during that whole transition, as you talked about, from the feudal system to then people being in cities and then we'd build jails to house people. It must have made an impact on the judicial system itself as all of that unfolded. I would imagine there was a time when incarceration wasn't a sentencing option. No, it wasn't, but it didn't need to be because the lord of the manor would be the person who dealt with you. You pick a punishment, yeah, it would be dealt out, and that would be the end of it. Yeah, but you know, then we had proper courts and we had proper lawyers, and you had a lot of poor people. I mean, people were sent to New South Wales for stealing a loaf of bread. People also sent here for real crimes Yes, of course, too. but yes. Yeah. I know we like to, you know, just, glorify it with this loaf of bread. <laughs> except for South Australian people, yeah. of course, where they had no convicts. It's, it's just interesting how these things evolve, isn't it, in concert. None of this ha- stuff happens in isolation. Well, the purpose of jails was mm. because the original idea was that if people are locked up, that would scare them enough to never commit another crime. Mm. Well, it didn't take long for people to work out that that wasn't really working. We still believe it today, though, don't we, a yeah. lot of people? Well, we do, but there's also a lot of people that believe in rehabilitation. So jails are supposed to rehabilitate you. Mm-hmm. 
I have never yet seen that in my almost 40 years in doing this. I have not seen anyone come out of jail rehabilitated. Do you have any thoughts on why there's that disconnect? I I think most reasonable thinking people would say that is the best outcome. Somebody has committed a crime, they're incarcerated, whilst incarcerated, there is a process that allows them to see the error of their ways, for want of a better term, become a better person, come back out into society, rehabilitated and ready to join society. But we just don't see it, do we? Have you got any theories why there's such a disconnect there? Yes, because if you go to jail and you're there for a very, very short time, you go to the equivalent of a prison farm where usually you're working and you can do the odd course and you're out of there in, say, six months. If you commit a serious crime, then you're there for a long time. Once you get into a jail, you are meeting other criminals, but you're meeting hardened criminals. I've always thought jail as the university of crime because you go in knowing very little and you come out knowing a lot. And the people that you form friendships with are criminals. And they're the only people you know when you come out. And like we're told, they can do courses, they can do this and the other. Well, that just simply isn't true. There's so many jails where these courses just aren't available. They're supposed to be, but for whatever reason, they're just not there. Is the demand from within the prison population there for them, do you think? Oh, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. But now you've got the added problem of private jails. Once we have two private jails in Sydney, in New South Wales, rather. Parkley and? Junee. Junee. And there's been real problems with privatisation because the – Privatisation is there to make money. Incentivising incarceration seems like a way to increase incarceration, doesn't it? That's right. That's exactly what <laughs> so it does. it seems like. Yeah. So, I mean, there are riots. There's all sorts of things that happen at Park Lee and they're not reported. And the reason why they're not reported is because if it's reported, then they lose their licence. So they're incentivised also to cover up issues that yes. might be legitimate yes. issues that might be happening yes. within the prison. Yes, and in fact that happened. You know, I think it was 2000 and... When was it? 2017, where it came out about Park Lee and there was an inmate put out a video of the drugs and the mobile phones and claimed that they were getting it all because the prison officers were bringing it in. It was just a huge outcry. And it's no wonder if you really think about it, profit motivations distract companies Instead of investing money in resources, they don't do that. They're there to make money. Yeah, the profit motive doesn't seem like a great The government is bad enough because it simply doesn't have the money. (laughs) It's disinterested as opposed to... It's disinterested. It doesn't have the money. And to fix facilities, they need to get money from you and I. But these private companies, it's a completely other motive. They're there to make profit. I think most people in... New South Wales, for example, would know that we have a privatised prison system, that two of our jails are private? Probably not. No. Most people don't know anything about the prison system except what they see on television or if a member of their family happens to go to jail. We'll come to that one in a moment, but the one you touch on is interesting. Those of us who are not incarcerated tend to be totally uninterested in the whole prison system and how it works. Should we be interested as a society? We certainly should be because... 
I would not like to live next door to someone who has just spent 10 years in jail and come out. They are usually totally institutionalised. The only people they know are other criminals. They're probably suffering from depression or something else. It's not safe. I would say it's not safe. What do we do as a society or as a criminal justice system about those who are being released from prison? Are there genuine attempts made to help people re-emerge into society or is it more of a box-ticking I think it's more of a box-ticking thing because – which is the parole board. The parole board often doesn't let you out on parole and they have all sorts of arguments for it because, you know – you're not sorry enough, you haven't rehabilitated, you won't admit what you've done, all these reasons. But the fact remains that the person stays in there longer and the longer they are in jail, the more institutionalised they become. It's also not helping all of those, of course. It's a highly politicised issue. Very. Being tough on crime is a very popular political cry globally, not just here in Australia. That It's what people do. And, of course, longer incarceration periods are often a result of that. Governments get elected to bring in tougher sentences and those sorts of things. Not a lot of thought, I don't suspect, goes into that from people outside the system and what the potential impacts for all of us are. Well, I think the impacts for all of us are terrible. And the other problem is that even if, let's say, in a utopian world and you're really a good person, you're trying to do the right thing, you did the crime, you've done the time, you come out, you have a parole officer, you even have a good parole officer, one that really genuinely cares. And like all people, they're few and far between too. Most of them is just a job mm-hmm. and quite unrewarding, I would imagine, a lot yeah. of cases. Yeah. So um, you have to see this parole officer. The parole officer is, gets you to live in a halfway house because you haven't got any family. That's the other problem. A lot of people can't get out on parole because they don't even know someone without a criminal record to go and live with. Right. That's another problem with bail too. So – they find you a halfway house. There's now these halfway houses set up. Again, they're run by usually ex-criminals. There's other people there in the same position as you. You're still in the same milieu. So if you try really hard, and who's going to employ you? Mm. So even at even operating at its absolute best, the systems in place yes. are almost designed to are almost destined to fail. Yes. The people that they're supposed to yes. be serving. Yes, and uh, most people who have been to jail, unfortunately, end up back there. This is a known thing. We've known this for a long time, haven't we? We have. We don't seem to have come up with any sort of way to break these cycles. No, we haven't. We haven't, and each time that some sort of headway is made, for instance, drugs – Drugs is a good thing because occasionally people think, okay, it's not a crime, it's an addiction, let's legalise drugs. If you legalise drugs, you're going to get rid of a lot of the criminal element. No, that doesn't happen. You can ask why that doesn't happen and then then governments stand up and say, oh, we have to have longer jail sentences, we have to have tougher bail laws. Incarceration as a deterrent, as a re- as a, an activity to reduce crime, is there any evidence that it works? I don't think so. 
I, I certainly haven't seen any. And just, again, human nature. If you're about to commit an offence, you're really going to think, oh, I don't think I should rob this bank because I'll be in jail for 10 years. Nobody thinks like that. No. Even on smaller issues, we don't yes. think like that, do we? Your no. assumption is you won't get caught. Yes, exactly. We all, we all decide to do the wrong things sometimes, and we yes. decide to do it because we believe we yeah. won't get caught. I don't think it's ever worked. I think it was originally started in the hope of let's just lock these people up to get them away, and then there's more and more of them. Well, this is the other issue, isn't it, is that a little bit like mental health, we as a society, as a society would prefer not to look at these problems. It is a minority of people. Yes. So let's lock it over there and don't bring it up. It would be a very different – and you would come across, I'm sure, lots of advocates for people in prison and the prison population. Tough, tough, tough sell to the broader community. Oh, it is. It is. And the community doesn't care how they're treated. No. You treat a person badly and that person will become bad. Mm. You treat a person well, that person has got a good chance of being a good person. Mm. We are all products of our environment. Yeah. Let's say you're a young person, say 19-year-old, because once you're 18, you go to the adult jail. Mm -hmm. You're a 19-year-old and you got involved in some kind of car stealing and rebirthing. It's not really the crime of the century, but it's a proper criminal offence. It's not victimless. No. No, no, and you don't have the greatest lawyer in the world. You pleaded guilty because your lawyer told you to, and you really didn't have a defence because you did it. You didn't get the greatest judge in the world either. So you got a three-year jail sentence, say with two years non-parole. So that meant you had to actually be there for two years. 24 months in prison. Yeah, yeah. In that 24 months, you met people who did much better rebirthing than you. They did much better car stealing than you. You had contacts on the outside to do it better the next time. And particularly when the guards weren't treating you too well, which I believe guards don't do, and you didn't have access to all sorts of things, you'd think, well, why would I want to put up with this? The moment you get out, you can't get a job. What are you going to do? You've got to eat. Yep, you contact the contacts that you made. Yep. It's a depressing circle to it look is. at sometimes, isn't it, Maggie? It's, it really is. It's, uh, it's really, And, of course, the other thing you'll find is that there'll be a large percentage of people in society who, when you're sentenced to three years with two years non-parole, will be shouting from the rooftops that it's not enough. Oh, yeah. Oh. Punishment oh. is never enough. Yes, 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 yes. All those victims groups, it's not enough. That person has to do more time. Why? It's never going to bring the victim back. No. no. It's not going to undo the crime. All it does is lead to more crime. Mm. But they love it. Governments love that. Mm. Oh, we're going to be tough on law and order. It's an easy narrative to sell, isn't it, Maggie? Anybody could sell it. It's it's that easy to sell. Most of us, in fairness, and at various times we'd all be more prone to, if it's happened to somebody in your family has just been the victim of an assault, you'll be leading the campaign to increase sentencing for assault. Yes. But, see, I think that's how this privatisation came about too because governments could sell it to the public, saving your taxes. Because, of course, it's not cheap incarceration, is it? No, it's very expensive. Mm. It's very expensive and it's actually not saving your taxes because it's causing all sorts of trouble because you have to have inquiries into it and you have to build more jails. 
employ more people, build more jails, and there's nothing comes out the other end of it when done as poorly as we do it. There's no benefit at the end. No, and if you own a jail for profit, it's not in your interest to rehabilitate people. You need customers. It's it's quite a staggering thing to think that there's an incentive for incarceration. That's a business you can be in. It's quite... In in fact, I once watched a TV show, which now when I think about it, really had the ring of truth. It was an American TV show, and it was about a judge in New Orleans, and he was a crooked judge, and it turned out that he owned a huge stake in the jail. So he was sending everyone to jail. Now, that might be a, a a fictional plot, there's no reason that couldn't be a realistic plot. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Straight on the surface, you can see that that makes some sense. Yes. We've tu- you touched on this a little bit, I guess, but you've touched on it in other episodes. We all have our opinions about the judicial system and the penal system until we bump up against it. You must have seen many times in your life people whose opinion about who they may have been the one shouting from the rooftops for longer sentences until their son or daughter was given a sentence to go to prison. What does it? How does it change people? It completely changes people. If you have a son or a daughter or someone in your family who has committed a crime, even if, well, particularly if you think that they're wrongly accused, then you think the whole system's terrible because they're bail refused and nobody's listening. And then if all... If they lose their case and are found guilty, then they get a jail sentence. That's just shocking. But even if you think the person's guilty, they tend to think this is just wrong because they know what it's like. They go to visit the person in jail. They know what you have to go through just as a visitor. Mm. What you put through with the screening and what you have, you have to take off your watch, you have to, it's just terrible. It's undignified, it's, isn't it? It's, it's completely undignified, it's dehumanizing. Yeah, very much so. And there is a real cruelty to the prison system, yes. isn't there, that we just all accept and say, well, sh- shrug your shoulders, what can you do about yes. it? Yes. But there's a genuine cruelty. Yes, yes. And it's just, there's something very unnatural about locking up your yeah. fellow man. So, therefore, to be the people in charge of that. Interesting questions. Yes. Interesting questions. Ones that we probably haven't answered today. We probably raised more than we answered, Maggie, but an interesting topic to discuss. It's been great. Thank you very much. Okay.